please do sit down. Good evening, and good evening if you're joining us on uh, Facebook Live as well. Around 2,700 people have joined with us across this morning as we have opened God's Word together. Isn't that incredible? Uh, Which is about 10 times as many as we're here this morning, so that's pretty cool. And it's great to have you with us tonight too. My name's Malcolm, and I will soon be leading this congregation, but not quite yet. And it's my privilege to be able to share God's word with you tonight. I was reflecting, Paul, thanks so much for choosing those songs. I was reflecting on one of the lines from the the one that we've just sung. I've never heard it before. You welcome me home. What a powerful and beautiful image for you to hold for a second. That God might welcome you home. What is home? A place of safety. A place where you belong. A place where you are welcomed. A place where you're accepted for who you are. Where you don't have to prove anything. That's what home should be. It isn't what it always is for many of us, is it? I don't know if many of you got a chance to watch the funeral of Dr. Billy Graham just a few weeks ago. It was live cast around the world. And one of his daughters is called Ruth Graham. She went through a really messy divorce. And then she very quickly married again. Her father told her to think about it. Her mother told her to think about it. Her brothers told her to think about it. Her sisters told her to think about it. And she ignored them all and married very quickly. And very quickly exited the marriage. And at the funeral, she said, you know, I, I remember the journey home. And she said, have you ever made a journey back to where you call home? And in your head, you've been thinking, what is my father going to say? She said, now think of what you feel like when your father is Billy Graham. And she tell the story of driving around the mountain and coming to the gateway of their home and her father was standing there and she said he opened his arms and he said welcome home darling no judgments no rejections no I told you so no if you'd only listened in the first place you wouldn't have ended up in this situation and she said Billy Graham was not God but he showed me what God was like And I think tonight, here and across the world via the internet, God wants to welcome some people home. He wants to fling open his arms. And he wants to say to you, you are loved. You are forgiven. You have nothing to prove. All you need to do is receive the gift of love and life that I want to give to you. I want to read with you a story from the Bible. It's in the Gospel of Luke. This week for Christians is called Holy Week. I'm not assuming that you're all Christians that are here tonight. I'm assuming that some of you are not used to reading the Bible or coming to church or listening to it being read. Luke is one of the writers of the Gospels and he tells the story of the life of Jesus. And in Holy Week, we remember as Christians across the world all that Jesus has done for his people in the week before he died. It's sometimes called the Passion Week, which comes from a Latin phrase that means a week of suffering. 
And I want to read to you a story of a crowd of people and two men and the difference between their choices. And then I want to ask you what choice you'll make. It's as simple as that. If you want a title for this, it's simply this, Paradise or Bust. Turn with me to Luke chapter 23, and we're going to read from verse 26 through to verse 43. I'll give you a chance to turn your Bibles on or open them, depending on what version you're using. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. As they led him away, verse 26, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A great number of the people followed him, and among them were women who were beating their breasts and wailing for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are surely coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do this when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Those words were spoken around 30 AD. Forty years later, the Roman authorities destroyed Jerusalem. There was starvation and hunger, and people were so desperate that they were committing suicide in the streets. They were crying out for mercy. So 40 years before that, Jesus predicted that it would happen. Let's carry on with the story. Two others also who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right hand and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing, and the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you under, are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Amen. God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. 
There's a whole crowd of people gathered around this event. There's a whole range of different emotions and responses to Jesus' murder. That's what it is. We use nice language like execution or crucifixion, but it was a murder. He had been tried by a kangaroo court. He'd been found guilty of crimes that he hadn't committed. He'd been passed from one judgment in one courtroom to another. Everybody washing their hands of him, some quite literally, Pilate and Pilate's wife. They all wanted somebody else to make a decision. But what is interesting about the events leading up to um, these moments that I want to reflect with you together for a few moments tonight on is this. At every stage, Jesus let them have it their way. There isn't one situation where he said, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to force you to do what I want you to do. The high priests and the scribes said, you're supposed to be the king. He said, that's what you're saying, not me. Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, that's what you've said, not me. And four or five times in the story, up to the point of the crucifixion, somebody else says to him, aren't you the king of the Jews? Aren't you the Messiah? You've claimed to be the Messiah. And every time, Jesus replies, that's what you said, not me. Is that him prevaricating? Is it him dodging the question? Not at all. It is him saying to everyone that he encounters on the road to his murder, you must decide for yourself who you think I am. You've got to make this decision and then live out of the consequences of your choice. And what he said then, he says tonight in this room. As a Christian, I believe that when Jesus Christ died, the Bible teaches that he died to take everything that I had done wrong, every sin, every broken promise, every evil intention, every bad thought, every pent up frustration, everything that I had done wrong. He bore that on the cross for me so that I wouldn't have to. I also believe that he bore God's judgment upon himself so that I wouldn't have to. He turned away God's anger. He turned away God's wrath. Those are the negative things, if you like, that he did. He did that for me. He did it for you. He did it for all who will believe. But he also died so that I could become something else. So that I could wake up every morning knowing that I'm forgiven. That I could go about my daily life with a sense of purpose and life and acceptance and hope. And I would know what it feels like to be home every day. Not in Northern Ireland home, although I'm very excited about that. I mean home in God. Accepted, loved, affirmed, welcomed, embraced by him. Given a different future, a different story written for my life. He offers me hope and mercy and a fresh start. He offers me a place in his family. He offers me a new identity. He offers me a new name. He offers me a sense of acceptance. He offers me a transformed way of understanding myself. He offers me a, a transformed place in the world. You see, Christian faith isn't just about what we avoid. It's about what we become when we are followers of Jesus Christ. Christian Aid, that famous um, agency, used to have a great phrase, and here is what it was, we believe in life before death. 
An awful lot of Christians only believe in life after death. Well, we believe in life before death too. Imagine being able to leave this building tonight with a sense of forgiveness, with a fresh start, a clean slate, a sense of everything that you've done wrong wiped away. Imagine being able to leave, not with your head held down, but your head held high, because you have at last discovered what it means to be loved, accepted, embraced for who you are. What a remarkable gift. When you think of this story, you notice a whole range of people. You notice soldiers that are laughing at Jesus, mocking him, making fun of him, ridiculing him. You, know the, you see them giving him um, some vinegar and a sponge. Oh, if you're the Messiah, then drink this, do something. You see the scribes and the high priests, the religious people of the day, making fun of him, saying, you said you could save yourself. Go ahead and do it. You see some people that are intrigued. They're just looking at a distance. They don't really understand what's going on. They just watch. Which are you? You see his disciples hiding in corners. Really only the women were the ones that stayed. The men all ran away. And then you see two men. One on his left and one on his right. And one goes to paradise, and the other one goes to hell. And it's all based on the choice that they make. How can two people see the same thing and end up in such different situations? These two men were tried. These two men were convicted. These two men were murdered beside Jesus. They'd gone through exactly the same processes, exactly the same charges, exactly the same punishment, and both of them were guilty. We know that because the one that asks Jesus to have mercy on him says that. Yet one of them looked at God and was angry at him, looked at Jesus and said, save us and yourself. Why have you allowed this to happen? Why have you allowed this mess to develop? Do something and save us. He was angry. He was resentful. He was bitter. He was um, aggressive. Everything in him was blaming God for his life. Is that you? If there's a God, he wouldn't have treated me this way. If there was a God, he wouldn't have let me go through this heartbreak. If there was a God, why did he not intervene here and here and here and here? And you're so busy shouting at God. Blaming him, arguing with him, pointing your finger at him that you can't see how much he loves you. Some years ago, I went through a particularly difficult time in my Christian life. I was finding it difficult to relate to God because of a lot of things that had happened in my personal circumstances. And I keep a journal. I write in it nearly every day. And I can remember the day that I wrote in it, I sense God is now saying to me that he's able to comfort me because I'd come to the end of shouting at him. I don't know if you've ever been a child that was, had a paddy. Do you know what a paddy is? 
a tantrum. We have a, our oldest is 24 now. He won't enjoy me telling you this story, but it is such a good story, I have to tell you. And when he was about, no, he knows that I would tell you this story. I checked with him. When he was about two and a half, we were living in a place called um, Nantwich in Cheshire. And uh, we needed something. It was coming up to Christmas. I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been mustard or something. So along comes Matthew beside me, and he saw a bottle of tomato ketchup. And he said to me, Daddy, ketchup. I said, no, we don't need it, Matthew. He looked at me again, he went, Daddy, ketchup. And I said, Matthew, we don't need it. He looked at me again, Daddy, ketchup. I said, no, Matthew. So Matthew threw a tantrum. He lay down on the ground in the middle of this busy shopping center, and he battered the floor, and he said, ketchup, 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 ketchup. And he looked up at me. So I lay down on the floor, <laughs> and I went, no, 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 and looked up at him. And he went, okay. <laughs> He's never thrown a tantrum from that day until this. What I mean by tantrum is that kind of beating at your father's chest. Why don't you do something? Why don't you help me? Why don't you intervene? And you're beating so hard that you can't let him embrace you. You're beating at his chest. And all your energy is about being angry at him. Blaming him. Wanting him to say something. To do something. And he can't comfort you until you stop beating at his chest. You need to run out of that energy. And then he can say, my arms have been open to you all this time. You haven't let me embrace you because you're so angry at me. And he might not answer your questions. He might not tell you everything that you need to know. But in that moment, he can wrap his arms around you and bring you comfort and grace and forgiveness and security and peace. The angry thief on the cross never got there. All he did was shout, give his objections, point out why his life wasn't fair. I don't mean to belittle the unfairness of life. I know what it feels like. But life isn't fair for any of us. It's not fair for me. It's not fair for you. But whoever said it would be? Where are you promised an easy life? Where are you told that you're entitled to be happy and have everything go your way, folks? The reality is we're not. That man kept rejecting God. And in the end, God said, have it your way. And what about the other one? He challenges the guy that's being murdered at the same day, executed the same day. But then he turns to Jesus and he says something which is so beautiful, so profound. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus says to him, today, you will be with me in paradise. Presumably all three of them die. One goes to paradise. One goes to hell. And one comes back from the dead. That man asked Jesus for mercy and Jesus said, have it your way. In the end, folks, God will say to you, every one of you, and to me, have it your way. You spend eternity where you want. But my job as a preacher, even though you may not ever want to hear me again, is to warn you of the consequences of your choices. If you accept Jesus Christ, if you do what this thief on the cross did and you say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he will say, today you will be with me in paradise. He will say, you have a place in eternity with me. It's as simple as that. No Bible college education required. No theological degree required. No denominational affiliation required. If you call on God for mercy, if you ask him to forgive you, if you ask him to come near you, he will always say, of course I will. He will never reject somebody who comes to him honestly and openly. You might say to me, Malcolm, I have tried that so many times. I keep failing. Join the club. I'm up and I'm down more than a fiddler's elbow. But God still wants to welcome you. And it's a simple thing. Do you want his friendship? Do you want his grace? Do you want his mercy? And do you want his forgiveness if you do ask him? And he will say yes. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need to think about it. I don't need to work it out. I don't need to set a theological examination for you. If you call to God for mercy, he will hear you and grant it. Isn't that amazing? It's supposed to be slightly more amazing than a mumble, but never mind. <laughs> and if you don't, then you will spend eternity without him. Talking about heaven is pretty popular nowadays. Talking about a lost eternity, what the Bible describes as hell, is less popular because it's offensive to our Western ears. But the reality of the scriptures is this. Those who accept him spend eternity with him. Those who reject him spend eternity separated from him. I don't need to go into the detail of what that's described as, but the name of that eternal state is hell. And in the end, every single one of you and I will stand before Almighty God. And the amazing thing is that to every one of us, he will say, have it your way. As you have lived, so your eternity will be. Now, Earlier on, I mentioned different groups of people in this passage. This is always a bit difficult. It's a bit tricky because I feel a bit guilty with what I'm about to say to you. One of the groups of people were those who didn't really know what was going on. They didn't really understand what was happening. 
you will never now be in that category. Because you have heard tonight from me clearly that God offers you eternal life through Jesus Christ, his son, and you either accept it or reject it. If I could, I would pick every single one of you up and carry you into that personal relationship with God. If I could do it for you, I would. 2002, my father died. I don't know where he is. I wish I did, but I have no idea. I don't want to be in that position with you. I would love to know. Your family members would love to know. Those that pray for you, that have cared for you, that have nurtured you, would love to know that you have decided to follow Jesus Christ. And from whoever that is in the back row beside Louis, can't see, is it Michael Miles? All the way down to, what's your name? Another Lewis. From Lewis to Louis and Mike, Mick, if you call on God, he will hear you. He will forgive you. But one day, you will stand before him and he will say, have it your way. So I'd like you to think about that. I'd like you to think about it at home. Just for a moment. Don't be afraid of the silence. What do you want the rest of your life to look like? What's your choice going to be? Because I can't make this choice for you. You've got to make it for yourself. You could be one sentence away from a relationship with God. One step away from an assurance that when you die and before you die, your life will have purpose and meaning. And you get to choose. Would you pray with me, please? Out of respect for one another, could you please just close your eyes? I first of all want to address this question to those people that are watching online and those people that will watch online. If you are ready to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you want to be like the thief on the cross that says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, then when I pray a prayer at the end of what I am saying here in Dundonald, if you've prayed it with me, would you please just drop an email to my colleague here, pip at dundonaldelam.church. And he will be able to get in touch with you and help you and support you as you begin your Christian journey. That's pip at dundonaldelam.church. Now I have a very simple question for all of you here in this room. 
It's the most important question you're ever going to be asked. So please think about the answer. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you if you would like a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, hope, and a fresh start. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you're from. Doesn't matter what your mistakes have been. God is able to give you new life right now. All you have to do is ask him. I'm not going to make a fool of you. I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever age you are, if you would like that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, whilst no one else is looking, please just put your hand up and take it down again. Thank you. Who else? This is an important moment. Don't rush past it. Give God time. Is there anyone else here this evening that wants to begin this relationship with God through Jesus? Thank you so much. How wonderful. Who else? He will accept you and forgive you. All of that guilt gone. And my last question, I wonder if there's anyone here this evening and you have wandered away from God. Your life has got caught up with the wrong things. And tonight you realize, I need to put this right. I need to be back in right relationship with Jesus Christ. Church might have hurt you. Leaders might have hurt you. Your husband or your wife or your children or your parents might have hurt you. But only Jesus can heal you. Only Jesus can take all of that pain and hurt and disappointment and lift it out of your soul. And he's willing to do it tonight. If you need restored, then indicate that to me, please, by raising your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? I want to thank you, Lord, for each person here, each person at home who has joined with us and responded to you. I pray that those that have surrendered their lives to you would know fresh joy and hope. Take the guilt and the weight of their sorrow and sin, their disappointment, 
their mistakes and lift them from them in the name of Jesus Christ. Help them to walk in your way and to follow you. Plant them in your word. Whether here or at home, may they grow to be all that you want them to be. Thank you that your mercy and grace are beautiful things. And I pray that each person will know that. And for those that have recommitted their lives to you this evening, Lord, may joy come in fresh abundance to them. May they know hope and mercy and grace again. And for all of us, may we walk with you closely, remembering what you have done and enjoying the gift of friendship with you. Thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's welcome those people that have made decisions to follow Jesus into the family of God, shall we? I'm going to say something to you which is a very simple thing, and I don't mean it in any way presumptuously about me, but I have been praying about coming to Dundonald since I accepted the call to come at the beginning of the year. I believe that God has said something very simple to me that I want to share with you tonight because I don't want it to wait until I get here on May the 12th. Not about Ireland. It's not about all that other stuff. It's about us. And I think he said this. If you bring them, he'll save them. If you bring them, he will rescue them. I think God wants this church to be a rescue center where every week men and women find new life in Jesus Christ and where we are amazed at what he's done. But there's a deal in that. And the deal is that we find a hunger to bring people who are lost and loved into the presence of Almighty God. They're not just lost, they're lost and loved. And if you're here this evening and you have not yet decided to follow Christ, I want you to know that you are loved so deeply. You're not a scalp. You're not a number or a statistic. You're a person. And God loves you. And he wants to draw you into his family and give you life and meaning. But church family, can I just say to you, imagine the power of that. If you bring them, he will save them. What might that mean for us in the next few years? Would you be willing to stand with me as we draw our service to a conclusion? Uh, could the band come back again? Paul, thank you so much. And I wonder if um, we could sing, uh, let the weak say, I am strong, as we draw our service to a close. Maybe you feel weak tonight. I feel pretty weak. My voice is shot through. I lost my voice overnight. And um, I'm grateful to God that I've managed to keep talking. Some of you are saying you're more grateful than we are, Malcolm. If you responded to the gospel this evening, could you please see Pip Kerr? Pip, could you just stand there so people can see who you are? Uh, Pip will give you some information. He'll pray with you. He'll get some details off you. He wants to help you. Um, he's a, these Pip and Davy are wonderful, wonderful people. I'm really looking forward to working with them. So if you can see Pip, he'll be able to um, get... Uh, why were you laughing? It's awkward. 
Well, not everybody knows who you are. Uh, he'll be able to give you information. Let's sing this song. Let the weak say I am strong. tonight that you have given us grace and mercy through your son the Lord Jesus Christ thank you for every person here who is part of your family thank you for the price that has been paid for us thank you for those new members of your family here in Dundonald Elam today but also the 100,000 or so people who have joined your family around the world we give you praise that you are drawing people out of darkness and into light, out of despair and into hope. 
as we leave this place tonight, remind us of the power of the grace and of the mercy of Jesus across this week as we reflect on what you have done for us through your Son. Soften our hearts. Help us to discover again the inestimable gift of forgiveness. And for your people here for whom life is hard, give grace, I pray. Give courage and strength. Bring healing to the sick. Direction to the wandering. Hope to the despairing. Determination to those who are about to give up. And so may the grace of Almighty God fill your hearts. May His hope overflow in you. Where there is sorrow in your heart, may He replace it with joy. Where there is sadness, may He bring the assurance of His presence. Where you feel regret, may you know the power of forgiveness and a fresh start. And may you know today and every day the mercy, the life, and the grace of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all so much and thank you for being here. I probably will not see you from this pulpit anyway now until the 12th of May, but I'm looking forward to that. It'll be a great evening and the 13th of May. So thank you for your prayers and your support. It's a real privilege to have been called to lead you and I I take it very seriously. God bless you.